0: As you can see our liturgical colors changed um, from white for the Easter season to red, symbolizing the the fire of the Holy Spirit that comes down at Pentecost. I was going to wear my red stole this morning, but I forgot it and someone someone asked, "Is it like Saint Patrick's Day where if you forget to wear red, you get pinched don 't pinch me okay <laughs> it 's not a rule haven't heard of that before. But we're, as we look at the, the Pentecost event in Acts, we're asking ourselves, who are we meant to be as the church? If this is really the quote-unquote birthday of the church, the Pentecost moment, what does it say about who God is calling us to be as the church? Because I really do believe that the church is not something that we do. It's who we are. Church is who we are called to be by God. Let's listen to the, the event in Acts. It's a little bit longer, so I'll try to make it as exciting as possible. It's pretty exciting, all right? The Holy Spirit's coming down. So if you're not excited about it, I don't think that's my fault, okay? So let's, let's read this together. The, the uh, words will be on the screen, but listen to this moment in Acts chapter 2 of this Pentecost event, and we'll think about these things together. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together, the disciples, the apostles, they were all gathered together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak to other in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to do. Now they were staying in Jerusalem and God-fearing Jews from every single nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken." Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Phyagra, and I don't know how to pronounce that next one. I've always stumbled with that one, so I'll leave it to your imaginations. Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Let's pause right there, because we know we all get better at other languages when we've had a few glasses... (laughs) Of wine. <laughs> all right, let's continue. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. <laughs> no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And this is powerful, this is so powerful. before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The written word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pentecost, like I said, really has deep, significant meaning for me. I think because being raised in the tradition that I was, I wasn't really familiar with Pentecost in the church But as I got more curious about it in my adult life, this Sunday of Pentecost became deeply meaningful to me. And what I've discovered about Pentecost has resonated with me deeply, especially in how it is seen as the birth of the church and what it means for us to be the church as Christians today. Let's start, and I'm going to get just a little nerdy with words in this sermon, so just to prepare you a little bit. Let's start with that name, Pentecost. What does that mean, the word Pentecost? Well, as with all of Scripture, understanding the Jewish context behind it is always so important. And the festival of weeks, or Shavuot, occurs seven weeks after Passover in the Jewish tradition. And it then begins on the 50th day after Passover. And the Greek word for 50th is Pentecost. Or Pentecost, which is why it's called that today. It's 50 days after Passover. And Pentecost is one of the great three festivals that many Jewish people would make pilgrimages to Jerusalem for, to, to come and commemorate and celebrate in the temple. And the other two being Passover and the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. And this is why in our passage we just read, we see so many people from all over the world descending onto Jerusalem to celebrate the day of Pentecost. So Pentecost, then, is a holy festival in the Jewish tradition. It's a festival that celebrates harvest time, where families would bring the first fruits of their crops in anticipation for God blessing the remainder of the harvest season. And this makes Pentecost already very symbolically rich for us because we are imagining a bountiful harvest, an event that is blessed by God. But what's being blessed at this Pentecost is not produce, but human beings (laughs) by the very spirit of God. Another layer to this Pentecost event is what in the Jewish mindset is connecting to Torah. You see, on, on Mount Sinai, God gave Moses Torah. But in the Jewish religion, there's two components to Torah. There's one that's written, and we are all familiar with that, right? We've all seen the movie. The written part is written on what? Two tablets, right? Two tablets. No, I'm just I won't make that joke. Two stone tablets, right? that came down from the Mount Sinai. God wrote God's law on those tablets. So that is the beginning of the written Torah. But God also gave an oral Torah that was passed down from generation to generation to generation. And you had to learn both embodiments of the Torah, both the written and the oral. But the oral could only be learned from a teacher, most likely a Levite, because the Levites were the keeper of the oral Torah. But what's so important about this context in Acts is that the Jewish community would soon be reckoning with what it meant to pass down the Torah because so much of the written Torah would be destroyed in the temple in 70 AD by the Romans. So the Holy Spirit coming and breaking down that barrier so that all languages could hear the word of God is such a significant moment this also connects to how the Holy Spirit arrives through fire. If you notice that, it was kind of, when I read through it the first time, it's kind of scary language, right? Through fire and violent wind and billows of smoke and, and great, great earthquake kind of noises. Well, what, what bells kind of go off in your mind when you hear those things? What happened in the Old Testament when they received the Torah, right? We saw fire where? A talking bush. God's used the 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 bush that was on fire to bring this voice of God to Moses. And so where God spoke through a burning bush, God would now speak through people who are lit on fire. By God's presence. Where God had been present on a mountain, God would now be present among the people. Where God had written on stone, God would now write God's word on human hearts. Powerful. This imagery not only points to the past, but towards the future when all of history will be culminated in God, most often called in the Bible the great day of the Lord, as Peter says. As Peter points to in referencing the prophet Joel, fire, smoke, and loud noises would also accompany that great day of the Lord, which culminates in the last days. Thus, this Pentecost in Acts would be the first Pentecost celebrating the harvest of the last days. It marked the beginning of the final era before God would culminate all history and humanity together. So Pentecost really shows us that the church was born to reflect what heaven is and will be when it covers all of creation when Christ returns. Peter says this this line that you hear often in Christian circles, the last days. Are we in the last days? Has the last days happened already? When will the last days happen? When will the last days come? You've heard that phrase before, right? Last days. Um, This overly unhelpful book, the Left Behind series, made a lot of money on asking that question. When are the last days, right? Right. Well, in church history, it's actually really simple. The last days are between Christ's ascension into heaven and his second coming. Has anyone seen Jesus lately in the flesh? Probably hasn't come back yet, right? So we have been in the last days for the last 2,000 plus years, right? So we are technically in the end times, (laughs) but we, no one knows the hour of when Christ will return, right? That's something explicitly said in scripture. But what we do know is that just like the word of God was a gift to Moses, this, this burning bush, the fire, the smoke, the, the, the loud quaking, this isn't mean to strike fear in our hearts. Jesus is coming back and it's a gift, I mean, it's Jesus. (laughs) So it shouldn't fill our hearts with fear to be in the final era of God. In fact, it should motivate us to be more hopeful, to be more joyful, because Christ is coming back. That's a good thing. Amen? That's good news. (laughs) So these last days shouldn't be used to fill your hearts with fear, but to fill your hearts with energy and excitement that Christ is returning soon. And so we should be filled with even more love and encouragement and not give up or tire in the work of goodness because Christ is coming back. I, think, I like to think of Pentecost as a kind of reversal of the Tower of Babel. Who, you've, you're all familiar with the Tower of Babel, right? These people gather around and build this extraordinarily long and tall skyscraper to try to reach God, to contain God for themselves. And we also see language in that story. What happens? All their languages get confused and they get sent out into chaos, right? Well, in this moment, we see patient disciples waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit and they come and God gives them power, God's power among them. To unify their language, and everyone hears their native tongue being spoken, and unity is brought rather than disunity. So all this context that I've, I've told you about and bored you with this morning, I am going somewhere with it. The symbolism of this moment for me helps get at the heart of the matter for us today. If Pentecost is the birth of the church, who are we as the church supposed to be in these last days? It's important to note here that the Greek word that we derive church from is ecclesia which literally means called out ones. Ek out, the root, those two Greek roots there, keleo call. Ekklesia means called out one. It's used in the Greek Old Testament as well to describe what Israel's call was to be. It called out people to be a light to the world. So just as God called Israel to be a collective, a unified body that would be a light to the world, we as the church are meant to ask ourselves, what is our call as the collective body of Christ, the church? I think Pentecost gives us a radical answer to that question. We find that answer in how the Holy Spirit is poured out. Joel and Peter both mention how the Holy Spirit is given and to who it is given. And Peter, quoting Joel, says that God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. And friends, I believe that all means all. (laughs) God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And God does really then in the next following words, drive home that God means all people. We see the Holy Spirit breaking down every barrier that we human beings typically use to separate each other and discriminate and devalue other people. Yet what is so important to note here is that the Holy Spirit is a gift. It is not forced upon people. It is a gift to be received. The Greek word, I told you, Words today. The Greek word for the Holy Spirit is parakletos, which literally means counselor or companion, helper, and advocate. It is God coming as a companion alongside those in the world. It is not a colonizing force that invades as it pleases and obliterates human identity and diversity, but an advocate that brings unity and peace through the beauty of diversity. You see, you didn't hear everybody talking in the same language, right? No, everyone heard in their own native tongue. Didn't obliterate diversity, but elevated it, right? The Holy Spirit begins with language. And where humans so often discriminate between their national and ethnic identities, the Holy Spirit doesn't force everyone to be the same. Yet all who were present heard the wonders of God in their own native tongue. Where humans so often discriminate others based on their religious or non-religious beliefs, the Holy Spirit is poured out on Jewish people, converts to Judaism, and all those who were present in Jerusalem, as the text says, including Gentiles. And my friends, we're a room full of Gentiles. (laughs) Non-Jewish people are considered Gentiles, right? So the Holy Spirit is a gift to us as well. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. We are, we, where we humans so often resort to patriarchy and sexism and gender discrimination, we see the Holy Spirit not discriminating, but being poured out on both our sons and daughters. We need an amen for that one. (laughs) Where we humans so often discriminate between generations, calling older generations old and obsolete, and younger generations lazy and entitled, and they don't know what they're doing, the Holy Spirit is poured out on both the young and the old. Amen. Amen where we humans so often discriminate and show animosity towards the poor. The Holy Spirit doesn't show favoritism depending on economic status, but is poured out even on those the world sees as servants. Note, You guys are getting good. Amen. <laughs> Notice how God says all people, but the list doesn't seem to include all people. All people doesn't seem to be mentioned, the rich and the famous and the enslavers and the able-bodied and the powerful. But just because those people are not mentioned, we shouldn't take this to mean that they don't also receive the Holy Spirit. But I believe that this is yet another instance of God being a God who is first and foremost an advocate for the least of these those who have been chronically neglected, discriminated, and oppressed in the world by the powerful, the rich, the enslavers, and the able-bodied. It is a powerful way of calling those who might have benefit from their race, their privilege, their gender over others to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. (laughs) seeing now that those who they have oppressed are now their equals, filled with the Spirit of God. I believe Pentecost paints such a powerful picture of who we as the church are called out to be in this world. The church is called to be a people that sees the Spirit of God in all people, no matter their nationality, ethnicity, religion, race, gender, sexuality, ability, or social standing. The church is called to be a people who looks for the Spirit of God in all people, not because we see ourselves as the only ones who have exclusive right to God's Spirit, but because God has chosen to pour out the Holy Spirit on all people. The church is called to be a people who live and move in the way of God's Spirit, not the colonizing and conquering way of the empire, but by the gifts of unity, understanding, diversity, and healing, and of peace. My friends, I believe the church is called to be a people who are advocates and companions like the Holy Spirit to the least of these, the lowly, the marginalized, the poor, and speaking the truth of God's radical reconciling work to the broken and corrupt powers of this world. Imagine if the church fully embraced this Pentecost vision of who we are meant to be in the world today. Can you imagine that? Here's just a few action steps to maybe ponder on this reality of Pentecost for who we are called to be at the church. Where do you see the Spirit at work like this today? Read Acts 2, 1 through 21, and maybe even devote it to a bit of your memory and say, this is what the Spirit of God looks like being moved in the world today, where our sons and daughters are both prophesying where we are seeing those things elevated, where languages are being heard, not used to separate, but used to bring about peace. Where do you see the Spirit at work like this today? And maybe throughout the, the week, ask how can you participate with that work? And you don't have to take on all the work of Acts 2. That's a, big, that's a, that's a call for the whole church, right? But what ways can you in your life participate with that work of the Holy Spirit? Finding those places of unity where there is brokenness. Finding those places of, of inclusion where you only see walls separating people. How can you participate in that work of the Holy Spirit? And, and lastly, what ways can we be the church God calls us to be together? Oftentimes, I feel like uh, the pastoral call, people will ask, is if I have the answers of what the church is supposed to be. I'm like that's like, that's not just my job, right? <laughs> it is us together. And so as you're thinking about this question, maybe God is going to speak something to you that God hasn't said to me yet. Or maybe God has said that to me and says it to you and we need to come to common ground for who Amity needs to be in the days ahead. So I want to hear from you what the Spirit is speaking to your heart, because we are in this together. We are not alone. We are doing this work together. So I want to hear from your hearts, too. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to, we'd very much appreciate it if you would subscribe to this podcast as well as rate and review it. Also, if you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at amity.campus at That email will be in the show notes. Finally, as a smaller congregation, our budget is pretty tight. If you'd like to help out and donate to us, there is a link to do so in the show notes. Of course, no pressure, only if you're feeling called to give. But more income does mean possibly more content and better quality of content, as well as supporting our current ministries and those we'd like to expand on. Thank you, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day.